Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to the new iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. This is an exciting new network that will feature podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. Now please sit back and enjoy Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Do you remember seeing the movie The Sixth Sense? The young boy's famous line was, I see dead people. Well, this episode, I'd love to talk about children and the afterlife. Can children see dead people? Do children have memories of before coming into this life? Do children remember past lives? Or are they tapping into a memory of someone who has previously walked this earth? We often hear about children talking to their imaginary friends. But are they imaginary? Becoming a full-grown adult is a very interesting process. The mere fact of how we can each get created is certainly a miracle. Within each of our tiniest cells held the DNA and instructions for much of what we are right now. However, when we are little, it was a whole different world for us than what we experience now. Do you remember being a kid and jumping out of bed the first thing in the morning, excited to start the day, and then at night, not wanting to go to bed? We were always busy, always playing and investigating something and seeing life through a child's eyes. Wow. Those young years, up to around the age of seven, we were sponges for information. What we learn at this very young age becomes truth, and even child psychologists agree that this is the most important time for kids to be loved, nurtured, listened to, be given values, etc. What is learned at this age becomes reality. Under the age of seven, tell a kid they are stupid or not good enough or don't show them love. They turn into adults that carry those beliefs with them for the rest of their lives, often needing therapy themselves to discover their deep-seated beliefs that are untrue. They came from something that happened when they were just a small child. As a small child, everything is possible. Ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up, and they want to be an astronaut, a scientist, a ballerina. The sky is the limit. As for the afterlife, there are many stories of children who can see spirits of loved ones because they have not yet developed the limitation of what is possible and what is not possible in their belief systems like we have as adults. Mediums agree that our imagination faculty and our feelings are how loved ones get through in private readings and when we are a young person our imagination is wide open. As a student learning mediumship right now, it's tough to put aside my fears and worry that it won't work, I'm not a medium, I'm not good enough, 
and trust that what comes into my feelings and my imagination is the real deal, that it's really deceased loved ones coming through me for me to give a message to another. As kids, that fear and the ego is not formed yet. So they can open up their imagination and their feelings and have wide open communication with those on the other side. Lawyer Rachel Rogers tells this story of her son, Thomas. She says, I was putting Thomas to bed one night and he was three years old. And he said, that man's right there, mama, standing next to you. He's the one that comes to play with me. I turned my head, but I could see nothing. Don't be silly, love. I said, there's nothing there. But Thomas was adamant and even described what he was wearing and that he had glasses and was older and taller than me. It was so creepy to hear him say this. He didn't seem scared, but I said I'd take him out of his room with me into the hallway so he could sleep. I was actually terrified and went downstairs and had a glass of wine to calm my nerves. The next day, I asked Thomas if he remembered the man and could draw a picture of him. He grabbed the pencil and started scribbling a stick man wearing a pair of black, thick-rimmed glasses. I was baffled. Over the next couple months, Thomas kept seeing this man and playing with him, and I would routinely take him away at bedtime so he could sleep. I know it's important to nurture kids as they grow up and that anything is possible, but I didn't know. Was this possible? Was he really seeing and playing with someone? Then I tried to rationalize Thomas's vision and wondered if it was just an act of imagination. But after researching, I learned that children were quite susceptible to seeing spirits, and I started to open my mind to that possibility. Around the same time, I started to research my family tree. My aunt had got a hold of some old photos, and she had sent them to me. I was looking at one of them, a picture of my nan on her wedding day, when Thomas walked in, glanced at it, and said, That's him. That's the man who comes to play with me. I felt the hairs prickle on the back of my neck. He was my nan's second husband, who I didn't see that much growing up, and he died in his 80s when I was just 16. There he was in the picture, with the big, thick-rimmed glasses. Trisha Jordan says that her son, Luca, seven, has been seeing her dead grandmother since he was just a baby. The mother of two, Trisha, works as a medical secretary, says she used to be scared of her son's claims, but now she feels comforted. She said, my grandmother passed away when Luca was 18 months old. He had just started to speak, and the first thing he told me was how Granny would tuck him in bed every night. I found it really strange, and it used to scare me, and I changed the subject. One of the eeriest things was him singing the song, The Big Ship Sails on the Ali Alio, which she always sang to me. He would sing it over and over and tell me how Granny was there. Now, here's the thing. I had never sung that song to him. There is no way he could have ever known that song. As time went on, I realized he wasn't scared, so I wasn't scared. At the age of four, they were passing a property near their home. Trisha says that Luca, at the age of four, said to him that a man called Martin used to live there, but he died in a fire. 
The mother did some research and found that a man called Martin did used to live there and did die in a fire. She added, I've always believed in the afterlife a little bit, but what I have seen with Luca blew my mind. It made me believe completely. Here's a couple other experiences. Mom Rebecca Evans says that her three-year-old daughter, Rosalind, speaks often in a matter-of-fact way of her encounters with dead people and also recites her experiences in incredible detail. Mother Holly Smith claims that her six-year-old son, Riley, can speak to people who are not there and she cannot see, but she often catches him waving to people who just aren't there. One of the earliest episodes of the show, I told the story of a young boy who was close to passing in hospice. He complained to the nurse about the noise in the corner of the room. Of course, the nurse didn't see anything or anybody there, and she asked, who's there? The boy gave three names of children, and those three children had passed in that room before he had gotten there. Years ago, I took a flight on Delta Airlines, and I had one of those rare miracles of being upgraded to first class. The guy in the window seat must have been about my age, and we started taking part in those complimentary cocktails they serve. In those days, I was very fearful of telling anyone that I was researching the afterlife. But after enough glasses of wine, I decided to tell him. Then he decided to tell me a story, a story he had never told anyone. Years before, as a recently divorced man, he took his two young sons camping. He had a four-year-old and a younger son who was being potty trained. While waiting for the youngest son in the campground restroom, he didn't notice that the four-year-old boy had disappeared. This boy had wanted to learn how to swim, and the father found him floating in the water and pulled his lifeless body out of the water and began doing CPR on him. Thank God the boy lived, and when he awoke in the hospital room, he told his father that he wanted to be a big boy and show his father that he could swim. But then he felt himself floating up in the air, and he could see his own body was still in the water. The boy said, The big face in the sun told me I had to go back to you, Daddy. I wasn't scared. I was with the big face in the sun. There's a book called Heaven is for Real, a little boy's astounding story of his trip to heaven and back, written by Todd Burpo about his son Colton. You may have heard of it as it spent a long time at the top of the New York Times bestseller list and the true story was made into a movie. When young Colton made it through an emergency appendectomy, his family was overjoyed at his miraculous survival. However, what they weren't expecting was the story that emerged in the months that followed. Story was extraordinary, detailing their little boy's trip to heaven and back. Colton was not yet four years old, but he told his parents he left his body during the surgery and authenticated that claim by describing exactly what his parents were doing in another part of the hospital while he was being operated on. He talked of visiting heaven and relayed stories told to him by people he met there whom he'd never met in life. He shared events that had happened before he was even born. 
He also astonished his parents with descriptions and obscure details about heaven that matched what was written in the Bible exactly, though he had not yet learned to read. With the innocence we know of a child and how they just plainly speak, Colton told of meeting long-departed family members. He even described Jesus and the angels and said how really, really big God is. And when he talked about heaven, Colton says, nobody is old and nobody wears glasses. What's coming up in the rest of the episode, you may ask? Well, there's a gal who teaches children to see with their eyes closed. I'll also share with you some fascinating research by a man who spent over 30 years studying children with their past life memories. And then we'll meet a woman whose young son was terrified by dreams of going down on a very big ship. Just wait till you hear. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. 2020 is almost behind us, and yet for some of us, there's still so much to be thankful for. For others, not so much. Help your local charity or food bank with a donation so others can have a great holiday season as well. Every eight minutes, the American Red Cross brings help and hope to people in need. 
Thanks to the support of everyday heroes like you, the Red Cross is able to respond to disasters big and small, support military families, help ensure that blood is available when needed, and teach life-saving skills like CPR and first aid. Be a hero. Donate today. Visit redcross.org or call 1-800-RED-CROSS. Hi, this is George Norrie, and you're listening to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain on the new iHeart and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And don't forget, you can listen to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we're talking about children and the afterlife. I was on one of my many investigative trips a few years ago and attended a conference at Banyan Retreat in the UK. Many people were saying, Sandra, you have to see what's on that lady's iPhone. That lady turned out to be Nicola Farmer, who runs the ICU Academy. She was rather nonchalant and said, oh, let me show you my children. Holding her cell phone, I was astonished. I saw not one, but several videos of young children who were blindfolded. Without being able to see with their eyes, they could read books out loud, write, draw pictures, do crafts, and play catch. When I say crafts, there was a young girl stringing together a bracelet She had many colors of beads, and like threading a needle, she carefully had to thread each bead on the thin wire. Talking to herself, she said, I need a green one, and then fished through a bowl of beads and found the green one, then proceeded to easily put the bead on the wire, all while being blindfolded. Then there was a video of boys playing ball and throwing the ball back and forth. They, too, were blindfolded. Nicola says when children are young, their minds are wide open and everything is possible. So she tells them they can use their inner vision to see, and they do. There's a great video of a news team that filmed being at ICU Academy. You can see the kids reading books out loud, doing the crafts, and playing ball. The interviewer assumed that the masks the children were wearing must not be good and that the children could see through them with their eyes. But when he put on the mask, he confirmed there was no way to see through them. There's a great scene where the interviewer has some paper and a marker and is talking to a young boy and girl. Using the girl's mind sight, she says, oh, that's a car you're drawing, and draws a similar picture to what the man drew. The man then drew a rough sketch of a person with hair that looked like a crown, and the boy said, that's a queen, again, blindfolded. I encourage you to watch this fascinating video. Go to icuacademy.co.uk. That's the letters I, C, and U, by the way. Nicola Farmer says this program not only strengthens kids' inner vision, but gives them confidence and self-esteem. She is also training adults how to teach children so that this program can be brought worldwide. There's a famous Henry Ford quote that says, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. 
Imagine what we can do if we think we can, just like those kids. Ford has also got this quote. I adopted the theory of reincarnation when I was 26. Genius is experience. Some seem to think that it is a gift or a talent, but it is the fruit of long experience in many lives. I'd like to talk about a very controversial subject, and that subject is reincarnation. If we were to add up the major world religions that believe in reincarnation, we'd have just over a third of the world's population believing in it. Plus, now don't laugh, (laughs) we live in a time where we all know the importance of recycling. Wouldn't it make sense that we, as souls, get to come back to Earth over and over if this is such a great place for education and experience? There are many spiritual, non-religious people who also believe in reincarnation. Here's why it's controversial. There's people that claim to have memories of being someone in the past, either through hypnosis or a child having vivid memories of things they couldn't know about. And what we know about mediums and spirit communication, could reincarnation be People who are unknowingly acting as a medium and talking about things that relate to the deceased person, thinking that it is their own memory from the past. So some bad news, you're not going to get the answer in this episode. We'll possibly all find out someday after we take our last breath here on earth. The good news is that no matter what the truth is, the research done on reincarnation points to one big truth the reality of the afterlife. As with any of the information I share on this podcast, take the things that work for you and empower you to live a great life and use them as your compass. What doesn't empower you, throw it away. I won't be offended. Dr. Ian Stevenson was a psychiatrist who worked for the University of Virginia School of Medicine for 50 years He became internationally recognized for his research into reincarnation by discovering evidence suggesting that memories and physical injuries can be transferred from one lifetime to another. He traveled extensively over a period of 40 years, investigating 3,000 cases of children around the world who recalled having past lives without hypnosis. And by traveling, I mean he traveled 55,000 miles a year, often interviewing over 20 people per case that he was researching. Most of Stevenson's cases came from Asia, India, or other areas where the belief of reincarnation is widely accepted. His research presented evidence that such children had unusual abilities, illnesses, phobias, and interests which could not be explained by the environment or their heredity. The childhood cases studied had common patterns marked by the following features. As soon as the child could communicate, the child starts to describe a previous lifetime. Often, the child declares that his or her name is different from the name given to the child by its biological parents. The child insists that the current family is not its true family, but that his or her real family lives in a different village or town. The child remembers the names of various family members and geographic locations from the past lifetime. 
Physical features of the past life house and neighborhood may also be recalled. In Dr. Stevenson's series of cases, the average age at which the child starts speaking about a past lifetime is three years of age. And the average age when the children stop talking about past lifetimes is seven and a half years of age. The child remembers details of its death in the prior lifetime. And approximately two-thirds of Dr. Stevenson's childhood reincarnation cases, a violent or premature death occurred in the previous lifetime. Dr. Stevenson has found that individuals who died of traumatic wounds, such as a bullet or a knife wound, are often born in the next incarnation with birthmarks or scars that mirror the wounds incurred in the past lifetime. In the current lifetime, the child may have a phobia related to the cause of death in the past life. It has been calculated by Stevenson that of the children who remember a violent past life death, 35% have a phobia related to the cause of death. Based on information provided by the child to the biologic family, the child's family from a previous lifetime is eventually identified. When the child meets this family for the first time, the child is able to identify family members by name or by relationship. The child often knows family secrets that only members of the prior family would know. As a result, the family from the past lifetime often accepts the child as the reincarnation of their deceased relative. The biological parents of the child in the current lifetime often fear that the child will leave them for the family of the past lifetime, as the mutual bond between the child and the past life family becomes very strong. However, this fear does not pan out as the bond between the child and the current parent stays strong. A long-term relationship, though, typically starts between the child and the family from the prior lifetime. Personality traits, personal preferences, and habits often persist from one incarnation to another. Gender usually stays the same. In 90% of Dr. Stevenson's cases, the child returns assuming the same sex as in the past lifetime. Stevenson's cases show that physical appearance can remain the same from one lifetime to another. Relationships are renewed through reincarnation. Stevenson studied 31 sets of twins whose past lives were objectively validated. In 100% of these cases, the twins had significant past life relationships with each other, demonstrating that souls plan lifetimes to be reunited with loved ones through reincarnation. Children remember the interval time in between lifetimes. In 20% of Stevenson's cases, children report memories of what happened in the spirit world before they came back. He found the average length of time between death and rebirth with these children was four and a half years. I find Stevenson's work fascinating, but there are some things that don't add up for me about reincarnation, and I wonder if there are truths of the afterlife based on different cultures and beliefs. If the four and a half year time frame is correct in between lives, How is it that mediums are able to connect with someone who may have died over 50 years ago 
and bring through detailed knowledge and memories of their life. How is it that people who have had near-death experiences meet relatives who have lived and died before they were born and come back with accurate details about those people? See what I mean about being confusing? Is it possible our souls can be in two places at once, enjoying one life in heaven and having another part of us dipping back into the water of earth to experience another lifetime? Pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? Now, there's also this question. There are currently about 7.8 billion people living on earth in the year 2020. However, in the year 2000, there were only 6 billion. It's projected that by the year 2050, there will be about 9 billion people living on earth. If each soul keeps getting reincarnated, where are the extra billions of souls coming from? Sorry to say, again, there's only one way to find out, and actually, there's no guarantees we'll get all the answers when we cross into the afterlife. So to be on the safe side, we'd better make the most of our current lives and experience all we can before it's our time to depart. We'll be back in just a moment to talk to Susan Messino and hear her story of her young son's memories of being on the ship Titanic. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 
at ParanormalDate.com. You meet the most fantastic people. Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Jennifer. What brings you here? Yeah, I'm here to meet someone who understands me. How so? Well, I'm into UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, the paranormal, that kind of stuff. But can't seem to find anyone who gets it. Oh, well, um, nice to meet you, Tom. I, I gotta go. Uh, okay. Guess that's not your cup of tea. You sure? Very. Good luck with that. I can't meet anyone when I'm out, and I really can't find a website for my unique interests. What is one to do? Have you thought about ParanormalDate.com? Paro what dot what? Who are you? I'm a paranormal matchmaker, and it's ParanormalDate.com. It's a website for people looking for people like them. Stuff you like, remember? Interesting. Uh, I'll give it a try. Well, let's try this again. Uh, hi, I'm Tom. Hey, I'm Deb. Your profile on ParanormalDate.com looked very interesting. So you really saw a UFO? Well, yeah. It was so intense, but not as intense as meeting you. You're an alien chasing flirt, but I kind of like it. Wow, this ParanormalDate.com thing really works. Maybe ParanormalDate.com is for you. People with an interest in things they hear on George's show find their match daily. So if you're looking for that special someone... With an interest in UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and, of course, the paranormal. Come to the dating site inspired by George Norrie. It's always free to search, and if you decide to upgrade to our amazing new features, use promo code GEORGE for a great discount. ParanormalDate.com. You are not alone. The Art Bell Vault never disappoints. If you're an insider, classic audio at your fingertips. Go now to coasttocoastam.com for details. The best afterlife information you can get while you're alive. Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain and want to share with you a conversation I had with Susan Messino, who has worked as a rock and roll journalist for over 30 years. It's about her son, Jamie, and what happened when he was a very young boy. My son, Jamie, who is now 22 years old, mm-hmm. um, he was, I knew he was an old soul when he was born. He was just, um, just an amazing little guy. And uh, as he got uh, closer to the age of three, um, he first told me about a life that he had building the railroad cars back okay. in Wyoming. All right. That was his first um, memory of a past life. And he was, because he was fascinated with trains and, you know, and he used to talk about Wyoming. I mean, he, he couldn't even pronounce Wisconsin, but everything was all Wyoming for the longest time. Yeah. I, I wrote things down. I started to keep a journal. And, uh, and, it, and then I found out later, as I did a little bit of research, that the, the original uh, railroad cars in the United States were built in Wyoming. Hmm. Pretty cool. Which was really like, you know, and that, that past, that, that phase of his life didn't last real long. I'd say maybe a few months of talking about it. And then it kind of, you know, faded away. And, uh, so one night, um, my husband and I went out and we left him with a babysitter and they were showing the movie Titanic on HBO at the time. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, apparently, um, we came home that night and found out that Jamie had gotten up in the middle of, of the night, and she was watching the movie, so she let him come out and sit and watch the rest of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And he was he was about uh, three or four at the time. And, of course, I was not real happy with that because, you know, that's not a movie that not I would sit. right. Yeah, exactly, that I would sit a child down and say, here, go ahead, let's, you know, watch all these people die. And uh, the next day, though, um, he was just completely, just absorbed, fascinated with the ship itself. It was, it, all he talked about was the ship, how it was built. This was just from seeing the end of the movie. Okay. And for the next two weeks, he, he loved to draw. He was, he was into to a lot of, you know, artwork, watercolors, pencil drawings. He really loved that. And for the next two weeks, he literally painted and drew probably over 50 pictures of the Titanic. Wow. And this was all from memory. He was not going off like pictures of the boat itself. Right. And the more he was, um, the more he became involved in it, the more he started telling me things that I, I kept a journal because it was, it was crazy. I was like, how, how does he know this stuff? And he used to cry over the fact that when the ship hit the iceberg, the emergency doors in the boiler rooms were meant to, to come down and shut, you know, to, for safety doors. They shut down, but they, they, they trapped the men that, you know, shoveled the coal into the boilers. They trapped them, and they couldn't get out. So they were the first people to die when the Titanic hit the iceberg. Wow. And my son used to sob over this. He used to just wail and say, Mama, Mama, this, that shouldn't have happened that way. It shouldn't have happened that way. It was a mistake. It was all a mistake. And I kept saying, well, honey, I know, I know, I understand. It was, it was terrible. It was a terrible accident. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. There, there was things that were wrong. There were things that, that were, they rushed, they rushed things. And so over the, this lasted, it ended up lasting for two years. And this all starts that, when he's three, four years old, right? Yeah, yeah, it was between mainly the ages of four and six okay, that okay. he he did nothing but he want he wanted everything he could get his hands on about the Titanic. Every okay. book, every video, every game, every toy, and he constantly constantly talked about how it was built and that it was built wrong. There were there were corners cut that didn't need to be cut. They should have had enough lifeboats. Um, just, you know, I mean, things, the, the one thing that really got me was, uh, one time he came home cause of course now he's doing this in school, mm-hmm. you know, he's drawing paintings of, uh, the Titanic, you know, every day on everything, you know, tablecloths and restaurants. Um, the, are the they back of, just the Titanic or is it like the Titanic sinking pictures? Oh, everything. The, oh. the Titanic sailing, pardon me, on a sunny day. Uh, the Titanic breaking apart, the Titanic uh, with people falling out into the water, oh my gosh. Um, the Titanic, you know, broken in half. Um, it, it just it, it, amazing pictures. One one of the pictures was if you took like um, if you cut the the ship in half uh, lengthwise. Uh-huh. He had a pencil drawing that he drew every single um, level of the ship. 
And then he had all the rooms and all, I mean, it was right down to the light fixtures and the coat hooks inside the rooms. Wow, Susan. I mean, it was it was amazing and very, I, it was just so, I, I couldn't fathom my son going through this, but it slowly, I had to accept the fact that he was there. Mm-hmm. That there was no way that he knew all these things just from seeing the end of a movie. Right. And uh, so he, he kept on going into this, you know, for, for two years. He ended up having night terrors where he would go to sleep at night. He would sleep for maybe an hour. It would all, usually be within the first hour. And all of a sudden you would hear him get up. He would bolt out of bed and he would start running. And he would run all over the house, opening doors, um, looking in places, he, he, and he wasn't aware of, of me or, or anybody around him, mm-hmm. but it seemed like he was trying to get out. He was trying to, to escape somehow. Oh. And this went on for uh, the longest time. And uh, one day um, he came home with a, a drawing of the ship, and it had smoke coming out of three out of the four smokestacks. Mm-hmm. And uh, he showed that to me, and it was a great drawing. And I said, oh, this is really nice. And I said, well, did you run out of time, honey? Why Why is there no smoke coming out of the, the fourth smokestack? And he just looked at me, you know, like, oh, my God, you're not, you're just not up to speed. You know, he was always, he was a little sarcastic. And, and uh, he said, oh, Mama, he kind of shook his head. He goes, that's a dummy stack. And I said, uh excuse me, uh, what's, a, what's a dummy stack? Mm-hmm. And he said, it, it, it's for show. It's fake. They didn't need it. They just thought it would look good. They, 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 they didn't use it. It was a dummy stack. Well, years later, as they did documentaries on the Titanic, I found out that that was true. Oh, my gosh. You know, they did have one stack that was not a real smokestack. It was just for show. Mm-hmm. And that, that did it for me. Then, then I was like, oh, my God, this kid was on the Titanic he knows way too much about it. And then another turning point was when we got a CD-ROM game that you put in your computer mm-hmm. and you're actually on the Titanic. It's like a mystery game. Okay. And you have to find your way, like you knock on a door and they tell you to go to, you know, deck C to the, you know, the bridge or whatever. And yeah. you're looking for items. And it's all a mystery game, and uh, he started playing. It was really hard, actually, to kind of maneuver. And my daughter, who is a psychologist, she came home for the holidays, and up until this point, she thought I was crazy. Yes. <laughs> she, just, yeah. she just said, you know, he's fascinated with the Titanic, like kids love Star Wars and Mickey Mouse and things like that, and there's just there's no way that, you know, he was on the Titanic. That's just crazy. So she comes home and he's playing the game. And I told her, I said, go in and sit with them and play that game with them for a little while and then tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they sat down together and about 20 minutes into it, she comes running out of his room and she grabs me and pulls me down the hall. And she goes, he knows his way around the ship. And I said, yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell you. And she says, no, 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 you don't know, no, no. He's ordering me. He's telling me, go port, go port. If you go up that staircase, you'll be on the bridge, and then you'll have to, you know, then you'll be on the starboard side. And, and, and she was just, I mean, she was white as a ghost, and she was just floored. And she said, oh, my God, there's no way that he would know how to get around the ship unless he had, had been on it. And not many kids I, use port and starboard for left and right. 
Exactly, and he always did that, and he always barked orders at us. It was hilarious. He used to say stuff to us, like to my husband or myself, and if he wanted you to do something right away, he would go, and straight away now, straight away, which is a strictly an English term. It sure is. So it was, we used to joke about it, you know, we used to think, hmm, you know, obviously he spent time in England or something at at some point because he actually had a little bit of an accent and he would use port and starboard. Wow. Which was crazy. And so I got to the point where I'm thinking he either worked on the ship or he helped build the ship mm-hmm. is what I was thinking that he definitely helped build it because he talked about that they used um, iron instead of steel. They should have used steel because the iron became brittle in the freezing water in the, in the ocean. And that's why when they hit the iceberg, that a hole, you know, was cut into the side of the ship. That wouldn't have happened if it would have been made of steel. And they don't talk about that in the movie either. <laughs> right, right. They don't. No, none of this, a lot of no. this stuff they don't talk about in the movie. And, uh, and when I think about it now, I never let him sit down and watch the whole movie at that age. I think, I don't know if he ever did. I think maybe as he got older, he might have, Mm -hmm. but I never let him watch the movie again because I was like, you know, this is not something for a small child to watch. So, so he, we went through like two years of this and he's painting and drawing and talking more and more about, you know, his life at that time. And, uh, you know, what happened, you know, it was just such a tragedy that he said that was so preventable that he was, he felt really like he acted very responsible for it. Like it just shouldn't have happened. So, and he was particularly uh, transfixed with the, the boiler room and the men in the boiler room that Mm -hmm. couldn't get out. He felt horrible about that. Sure. So when uh, the Titanic exhibit finally started to, to, was created and started to um, go across the United States, we heard that it was going to be held at the uh, Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago in uh, the year 2000, and now Jamie is six at the time. Mm -hmm. And of course, my daughter heard about it first, and she got a hold of me, and she's like, we have to take him. We just have to. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, he, he, we have to go, even though he's six years old, he's got to see this. So we bought tickets. We drove down to Chicago and, uh, and Jamie, you know, he was thrilled. He was excited. He was, um, he was just like, he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to see it. We'll be back in just a minute to find out more. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. 
We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Well, 2020 has been quite a year, and most of us are glad it's almost over. Live shows all over have been brought to a halt, but it's only a matter of time before they're back. Make sure and go to the coasttocoastam.com website under our events section for the latest updates on live theater shows, expos, and more. Go now to coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. The Internet is an extraordinary resource that links our children to a world of information, experiences, and ideas. It can also expose them to risk. Teach your children the basic safety rules of the virtual world. Our children are everything. Do everything for them. Hey everybody, it's producer Tom and you're listening to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain on the new iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And don't forget, you can listen to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we're listening to Susan Messino and her story of her son, Jamie, and his fascination with the ship, the Titanic. When uh, the Titanic exhibit was created and started to go across the United States, we heard that it was going to be held at the uh, Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago in uh, the year 2000, and now Jamie is six at the time. Uh-huh. And, of course, my daughter heard about it first, and she got a hold of me, and she's like, we have to take him. We just have to. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, he, he, we have to go. Even though he's six years old, he's got to see this. So we bought tickets. We drove down to Chicago. And, uh, and Jamie, you know, he was thrilled. He was excited. He couldn't wait to see it. So when we got there, we were with a large group of people. Plenty of children were there, but all the other kids were running around playing and not paying attention like you should at that age. Yes. And, right. <laughs> and my son is studying every single object. It took us like three hours to get through the exhibit because Jeez. he had to look at every last thing for, for a while, 
not just glancing at it, but staring at it. And we finally got up to an exhibit where it, there was an actual boiler that they brought up from the bottom of the ocean. So at the end of the exhibit, they give you cards that correlate with people that were actually on the ship. Mm-hmm. And what was really weird about it, we traded cards. So my daughter and I had two females and my husband and, and my son had two males. And when we got to the very end of the exhibit, it shows you if you survived or not. Well, my husband had a card of an actually an older military man that did get off the ship. He actually survived. And then myself and my daughter were two women, mother and daughter from Connecticut. And the daughter was an actress, which my daughter used to be an actress. And they both survived. And then my son's card belonged to a French-Canadian architect who did not survive. And he was so excited, he couldn't read the, the, the board that was posted with all the names. And he was frantic. He kept saying, did I, did I make it, Mama? Did I make it, Mama? And I looked at my daughter, and we just decided without even saying, and I just looked at him, and I said, yes, honey, you did. Look, here's your name right here. You made it. And he goes, oh, thank God, thank God. So we completely lied to him. Yeah. And he went home, you know, just completely happy as a clam that he saw that he survived and that he saw all these pieces of the ship. And um, a couple of weeks after, now we were hoping that this would bring a closure to him. Sure, of course. It it certainly did to us. Did this stop the the night terrors that Jamie was having? Well, what happened was um, we came home, uh, it had been a couple of weeks he, I can't remember any uh, night terrors in between the, the visit to the Titanic, but a couple of weeks later, he had a night terror that I call the death dream, which it was the most terrifying thing I have ever lived through with a child in my life. And one night, he, I was home alone with him. I put him to bed. He had a twin bed with a uh, metal headboard. Mm-hmm that was up against the wall in his room and I had put him to bed. I had shut the door and I was in the other room and all of a sudden I heard this pounding from coming from his, uh, his bedroom. And it was like a boom, 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 boom. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, what's going on? You know, I jump up, I run in there, I, I fling the door open and my son is up on all fours. He's staring. He's in a crouch position He's staring at the floor and he is shaking so violently that the bed is hitting the wall. Mm, Poor kid. And that's the the boom that I keep hearing, the bed hitting the wall. And he, I'm, he looks like, I mean, at at one point I thought, do I call 911? Because I Mm -hmm. thought he was going into a seizure. That's how much he was shaking. And he's, he's shaking and, just staring at the floor and I can tell that he, he can't see me. He doesn't see me. And before I I even make a move to walk toward him, this voice comes out of him. That was not a little boy's voice at all. And I'll never forget it. As long as I live, this man's voice screams with terror that I cannot describe in words. She's going down. And I realized when he said that, oh, my God, he's, he's going through the sinking of the ship. Sure he is. That's what's happening. And I 
made my way over to his bed without, you know, disrupting him, even though I was terrified. I sat down next to him and I started rubbing his back until, you know, the shaking stopped. And I mean, he had sweated through his pajamas. He was, it was horrible. It was just the, the worst thing ever. But he, he finally, you know, finally it faded. He calmed down. He laid down and he fell back asleep. And I was, I mean, I, I didn't know what to, to, to do. I mean, I, I was just like, he just remembered the sinking of the ship. He just went through it. I know he did. And the next day when he was up, I asked him about the dream he had. I said, honey, I said, uh, you scared mama so badly last night. I almost called an ambulance. You were shaking so hard. And again, with his, you know, dry humor and his sarcasm, he looked at me and he just shook his head and he goes, mama, you know, the water was freezing, right? <gasps> wow. <laughs> and I, I said, oh, yeah, I forgot. And he just kind of shook his head like, God, is she ever going to, you know, get this? And then slowly after that dream, the night terror stopped. He stopped. It was like, you know, it would go a couple days. He'd talk about the Titanic. Then it would be a week and he would talk about the Titanic. And then all of a sudden he just stopped talking about it. And it was just over. Hmm. And he, you know, went on to be a great, you know, human being. I mean, he's so well adjusted and, and, uh, we were actually featured on the ghost inside my child. And, wow. uh, when, when they interviewed him at the end of the show, they asked him what he remembered. And actually what he remembered about that time period is that he said the Titanic was as familiar to me as my own house. Incredible. Yeah, and, th and then they asked him if he still felt responsible because they, they, we did a lot of research on it, and he does look, <laughs> he even looks like him, but we believe that he was Thomas Andrews, the man that designed the Titanic. Wow, talk about being responsible. Yeah, yeah, and no he actually, he well, and he was offered a, 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 you know, a seat on a lifeboat, and he had a, a daughter and a wife waiting for him at home, and he chose not to get on the lifeboat. He went down with the ship because he felt that responsible for the accident. I find Susan's experience with Jamie so incredible. Another topic we can discuss is children who have memories of being in heaven before coming to earth. This is called Life Before Life Memories. After my book, We Don't Die, came out, I had a conversation with a friend who I assumed would think my afterlife investigations were a little weird. The opposite was true. He told me the story that when his daughter was very little, she kept telling he and his wife why she picked them to be her parents, all the special little things about them. Then she said to her mother, you don't have curly hair and glasses anymore. This little girl was never told or shown a picture of the wife with the permed curly hair and glasses she had before she met her husband. There are lots of stories of very young children that still remember what it was like before they came down here to this life. In the book Life Before Life, the authors Peter and Mary Harrison recount that little Desmond first spoke of his other life at the age of three and a half. 
He surprised his mother Dorothy one day by telling her, You know, Mommy, before I came to be with you, I was with Auntie Ruth. He couldn't have known that his Auntie Ruth had a stillborn baby about 10 years before. She has had a hard time talking about it, so the family never mentioned it. Desmond told his mom that it was warm and dark with Auntie Ruth. When asked where he was before, he replied, I went back home, of course, the place I lived before I came to be with Auntie Ruth, where all the nice fields and all the other little boys and girls lived. He mentioned that there were big people also that took care of them and that the children played games and attended school. Dorothy recounts how Desmond told her the children used to play in pools. But when I asked him if he swam, he answered no. He explained, we didn't swim because we didn't sink and we never got wet. The water played songs for us, but not with words. When we picked up some water, it went tinkle, tinkle. Another day, Desmond told more about heaven as Dorothy was planting some seeds with her son. Dorothy says, He took my breath away when he told me he used to make his own singing flowers. When I asked him what he meant, he answered, you know, flowers with the music coming out of them. He explained that he and one of his friends in heaven had been taught to make flowers. All they had to do was think of the flower stage by stage, and the flower would appear in the colors he wanted and started to play music. As Desmond got older, the stories of his other home became fewer. Now he's six, he seems to have forgotten them, said his mother. Another toddler named Daniel spoke of his experiences to his mother when he was just two and a half, when he saw the sea for the very first time in his life. His mother Greta said, I thought that his eyes were going to pop out of his head. He ran straight in and started dancing up and down. Then Daniel told her, I had to go into the water to get born, Mommy. It wasn't the same as the sea, though. It was a river. Asked where that was, he replied, You know, heaven, where all the little boys and girls live before they are born. It's where the river was. If you are a parent and now have a child residing in the afterlife, I would like to recommend a wonderful organization called Helping Parents Heal. It's a community of over 15,000 parents worldwide, and they embrace the reality of the afterlife, and it's free to join. Visit helpingparentsheal.org to find out more. Children are cared for by friends and relatives and guides and do continue growing up in the afterlife. There's something magical that happens when we get to cross over. We can be any age we wish. Your child will be right there to greet you when you arrive and most likely will show themselves to you as you remember them. But while you're here on earth, they walk by your side, loving and supporting you. Do you have stories related to children and the afterlife? I'd love to hear them. You can go to iHeartRadio.com and type in Shades of the Afterlife, and there's a chat box just below the episodes. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Music. 
You've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. For shows like this and others, please make sure to tune into the new iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone.